0: Enjoy that 20% off at shop.nsls.org and stay motivated leaders, stay motivated. Hello, I'm Corey Andrew Powell, and I'm joined today by the multi-talented Justin Sylvester, co-host of E!'s Emmy-nominated show, Daily Pop, and a weekly segment on the Today Show with Hoda and Jenna called The Scoop. Now, before joining the E! family, Justin got his start on Bravo's The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills as Kyle Richards' Lady Sitter. So, Justin, welcome to Motivational Money.
1: Hi, how
0: are you? I am well and again, thank you. you know people don't know we had a little technical difficulty before we got here, but we made it happen.
1: I just love that like people don't know what happens. Like people don't know the ins they and don't. outs of making a show. You know what I mean? <laughs> they like don't. they don't. Oh, they have no <laughs> you, clue. You
0: no, and it's funny about you too, because I was just going to ask you about that. People think it's all fun and games, but especially because you are working like on multiple shows. So, I mean, just before we even get started, what's your, your day like to get up and have to record all these shows?
1: You, you know, it's not cr- as crazy as you would think. I'm very lucky that my shows are live which is a blessing and a curse because you do it once you get in, you get out. There's no redos or retakes or, you know, can I do that all over again? Because I said someone's name wrong. You have to just accept that there's <laughs> going to be mistakes and keep it moving. You know, there were times early on in daily pop where I would beat myself up. And and so would Twitter, Okay, <laughs> Twitter, oh. would, Twitter would come and knock my ass out or the kids you are know, mean. Oh, they would read. And God knows like, you know, I've messed up a thousand times on my show. I just learned how to get to a place where I accept that I'm not perfect and keep it moving. And laugh at myself. Yeah,
0: that's so important especially because when we deliver lines, people don't realize, you know, you're going to flub a line, but it's kind of how you recover from that, which is people don't understand. You know, you don't freeze and freak out. You just keep it moving and that's exactly what we do here as well. So I want to just first off tell you that we're a leadership podcast, as you know, and I think you are one of the greatest examples of someone who took an opportunity and ran with it and really maximized the moment. So as I mentioned in the introduction, you were first seen by the the public on Bravo's Real Housewives show, and then that parlayed into the show Beverly Hills Nannies, I think it was, on ABC.
1: Yeah, Yeah.
0: And then here you are now like co-hosting with Hoda on the Today Show. So tell me. Crazy. Like, you came from like a small, like, southern town in Louisiana. So, how do you get from
1: there to Beverly Hills? It's called acceptance. Like, I accepted that my life was not going to be fulfilled in my small town in Louisiana. I knew that I wanted to be in a place where I was seen and heard and where people would just get me, you know? Mm. And I'm very lucky that, like, there were men on TV who I could look at and say, oh, this person figured it out. RuPaul's on BH1 right after pop-up video at 11 (laughs) o'clock in the morning, and someone gave him, you know, that moment. Ross Matthews, you know, was Gwyneth Paltrow's gay and went on to be on David Letterman. Like, that to me was, oh, this guy's gay. Yeah, Queer Eye. All of those like men, those gay men on t v making it work and being paid for it and getting that adoration, that's what I was like oh i I need that, I need to figure out how to get that,
0: yeah, and that's juxtaposed to your upbringing, as I've read, but you mentioned being a closeted high school kid, yeah. And then, you know, I I read an article about how you had, as a closeted high school kid, you actually were reading the Out Magazine 100. And then fast forward to years later, you being included in that prestigious list. So tell me about just that revelation for you of going from being a closeted kid in
1: South Louisiana to, wow, look at me
0: as part of this list being celebrated.
1: You know, it's... It's a funny thing because when I say that I was closeted, I never had any mistakes on who I was. There was never like an internal struggle with myself. You know, there was never this like back and forth and push and pull. I knew who I was from day one. I knew at five years old what my jam was. I didn't know what it was called, but I knew I knew exactly what it was. And I never, ever doubted that I would be able to live a fulfilling life, but it was so funny because I was on a flight, one of my first flights back from San Francisco and I found a straight out magazine sitting in an airport and I just, I took it, I took it and I put it in my bag and I waited until, you know, I got to a safe place and wrote 32 F and I read that bitch. <laughs> the tail, the yeah. Plane. I was in the tail of the <laughs> plane and I read that bitch. Oh, I read that bitch and I made sure it wasn't in my backpack you know, when I got off, but (laughs) yeah, yeah. it was this crazy moment where I thought, Oh, I hope I get to meet a man. Like, I hope I get to meet a man who's prestigious enough to be in our magazine. Like never did I think in those moments that I would ever be a part of something like that. I just wanted to meet a dude and be with a a guy who was, was in our magazine and be proud of, you know, the person that I'm with. And it just was so wild that Literally, almost twenty years later, they asked me to be on the list, and it was, it was fast, quick, and it was a you know the turnaround was three days to get that photo done. But you could swear I've been waiting for that whole thing my whole life. Like I have been yeah. waiting for my bar mitzvah into the gay world, and this is it. <laughs> it really is was it? Because yeah. by the way, let me let you know something. When we're talking about gay publications and and gays accepting other gays, like we have marginalized ourselves so much. So true that. When you're doing something out there, th- there's a saying, well, if the gays are into it, first it's a gays, then everybody else picks it up. Mm-hmm. And it's hard for sometimes, you know, other gays to give other gays their roses. Yeah, of course. A lot of competition. And- yeah, I had to break that shit in myself, you know, and it's just tough because the wave is the wave, like. The girls like the body girls one month. And a year later, the girls want you to be non-binary. And a year later, the girls want you to be. So it just is what it is. And I never, ever really fit into any of those boxes. So the fact that Out Magazine was like, screw it, we're going to have a array of people from different colors to different backgrounds, to different ethnicities to different the way we, we see ourselves. I was like, damn, this is it. So it was just a really great moment for me to have a gay publication say, you are that gay right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because people do look to that list to see who they should be looking out for, like in music and media and advertising. So it is really a prestigious list.
1: So yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, well done on that, sir. Thank you. But I'm so mad, though. I'm so mad. Oh. What? They didn't have that party. You know, you know, you oh, want to go show party. out at the party. The- <laughs> yeah. They didn't have the did damn party. Did they do a virtual? They though? did the it virtual, was- but you know, like you want to, like you flipping through the magazine. You're like, ooh, page 72, put an earmark by that guy. And like, you're like, right. oh, like you want to meet <laughs> everyone else in your class. Um, so I'm hoping that this year they'll have the party and invite the 2021.
0: Yeah. Like double it up. Like make it too yes. like, yeah. The two high school graduating seniors coming together. 100%.
1: Uh, yeah.
0: No, I love that. And you're right. The pandemic did throw a damper on things. I mean, I was used to red carpets, the GLAD Awards. I was interviewing celebrities. And then, you know, next thing you know, I'm doing it all online. And I'm like, and then, no, no offense to Viola Davis, who I love. But then Viola Davis, like, kind of like, I was the last person in the press junket she spoke to. And then she lost her Wi-Fi service.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Right you when it got to happens. me.
0: She was, <laughs> I was like, Viola. Yeah. But you know what? We just... We keep it rolling, like you say.
1: Let me tell you something. I have this whole thought process. The richer the person, the shittier the Wi-Fi. Rich people have <laughs> shitty Wi-Fi because they live on mountaintops, they live in gated, oh, secluded places. Okay. Oh, yeah. The rich
0: So she might really have had bad Wi-Fi.
1: No, no, no. Rich people have I'm telling you, I'm on a day time show every day. And on Zoom, let somebody come in making cupcakes on Zoom, perfect Wi-Fi. Chris. <laughs> like you know, just files like connected, right? Right. A list <laughs> celebrity, Michelle Obama, like gone for ten minutes, back again, like still glitchy. <laughs> it's it's wow.
0: Well, good to know. Then thank you for some tr- insider tricks of the trade. Now I won't, because like, I was really a little mad at Viola for that. So now I will. I'll
1: move beyond it. Never. Viola ain't oh. going. By the way, Vi- Viola ain't leaving. A press junket. She knows how hard it is to get here, and there was no one or nothing, or not a parent that was like, let me open this door for you. This right, thing, right, yeah. E, no, she's taking this moment and she's running with it.
0: That is true. She lived in her car at one point. So I guess I can trust that she loves to be now recognized. So, yeah. Well, maybe I'll get her on the next one, I guess. So, but let me ask you, you know, about your own success, though. I know the visibility now for you as a gay out man and media is important, and especially because I think it's correlated to your upbringing. Do you feel like now you can continue to also be the role model for maybe that next generation of young black gay kid somewhere in a country who doesn't really maybe see themselves in their community. Do you think there's a responsibility to sort of be that for him?
1: You know, I think anytime that you are the first or only, or not that many, but you're there. Anytime that you are in that category, inherently, you have to just, you have to show out. You got to show out and you got to show up. And I always say this. If E came to me and said, we found somebody like at some point, it's going to happen. We found somebody younger. We found somebody smarter. We found somebody blacker. Like we Uh found someone. And as long as that person is a young black queen coming in, I'm good. Like I will put people up for things that I'm up for. Carry and, the torch. Okay, right? I will. I will pass that damn torch. And even if I think he might be better than me, there are times where they're like, "Who do you want to replace you?" And I'm if they're not gay, I'm not saying it. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> ah, you're going away for two weeks. Who should we have? And I'm like, this person, this person, Bobby Burke, Caramo, blah blah blah, and, uh, Jason Cardo, Fisher, out of Miami. I'm not afraid of. Because a lot of girls are scared to have the younger version of them come through. I hope the younger version comes through and teaches me a few things, you know? Right, right, yeah. I hope the kids come in and teach me a challenge.
0: You know, you bring up a really interesting point too that we always stress, again, as a leadership organization, that it's okay not to be the smartest person in the room, not to be the one who has all the answers, and to also recognize that you need a team around you, good people who will also keep you learning because it's never an end to gaining knowledge. Right. So you need those people to keep you on top of things.
1: Yeah. And by the way, the smartest bitch in the room is never the smartest one. It's always the one who hired the smartest one to be around them (laughs) because there's four other people making that other person look good. Like that's always the jam. I'm, I'm of the mindset too, that it's like monkeys in a barrel if you get somebody into this door, you never know when they're going to be in a door that you need to walk. Mm-hmm. So you always yeah. got to be ready to bet your money on someone who may not be in the same place as you or on the same level. But if you can see the potential in that person and say, OK, I'm going to push you up because at some point you're going to pass me up and then I'm going to need you to pull me up then.
0: You're right. And I think that's important. Yes. And that also goes back to what you were saying about how the community can be very divisive within itself. And so I love the fact that you're saying, you know what, within our community, I'm going to make the effort to uplift another LGBT person if I can. And if they're talented yeah. and that's going to be the preference over someone who might not be from the LGBTQ community. And I think that's
1: okay. Oh, for sure. For sure. And by the way, let me let you know something. If a network, has in their minds that they want a woman, they're going to get a woman. It's not going to be, oh my God, it's between this gay guy and this woman. It's never going to be that, you know? Right, right, yeah. But if someone has in their minds that they want, you know, someone from the LGBTQ plus community, it's happening. Whether you like it or not, that's it. And yeah, you, you have to really, and people say, oh my God, but... Don't you think they're using you, or they're just you know trying to make a quota? Like, like I... tokenizing you? you yeah, think? tokenizing me. I'm like, as long as they're paying me, I am good. <laughs> oh, my as my long as, as long as we're sitting here and we are we are all in line, my pay is as comparable with the girl next to me. That's also comparable with the the straight guy across from her. As long as we're in alignment and this is enriching my myself and my pockets, I'm good. Yeah, I am yeah. Gucci because. No matter what, if you're in my line of work, they are looking for something specific for a A reason. So everybody's getting tokenized if you want to use that word.
0: Yeah, I mean, it reminds me of very often years ago, auditioning for Broadway and all these things, and I'd bump into Billy Porter, and he and I both were sort of doing the whole pursuing the record deal thing, and both being told that we were sort of like too feminine to be pop stars and all this kind of crazy stuff that, you know, now people are looking at him now feeling like that was a a bad advisement, obviously. But um, it's interesting how now you fast forward to like, every network wants to get like a Billy Porter. Like, yeah. yeah, I mean, they all like one like a black guy who's glittery and
1: yeah, yeah <laughs> you know, yeah. it's just
0: funny how times change and um, you know, and I'm still waiting for them all to call me, so I'm good with it. I'm good yeah, with it. I'm good with, okay. it. I'm good with it.
1: I'm good with it. And I, you know, it's funny because we, I talked to, you know, a lot of times we talk on our show. There was a lot of times where people said, you know, I wouldn't take this role because this is a stereotypical role, and I don't think that you know. I should be that anyone should take this role because we, you know, those roles are da-da-da. And my unpopular opinion is not everybody is financially at a place where they can turn down that kind of role. And I'm not going to look down on the next girl because she's playing a glittery gay queen who comes and saves the day and does hair or does a makeup in a movie (laughs) about X, Y, and Z, you know? So I have a, Different stance on those kinds of things because I do think that a lot of people, you know, unfortunately, it sucked that actors had to take roles that kind of sort of put them in situations where they were, you know, playing into a stereotype. But a lot of actors got their starts in that way. A lot of actors got put on the map because of that. So I can't take away from the fact that. You know, some people choose to make their bag and and get that opportunity to step in their door. I don't think we should ever. I think you it's okay for you to think that way and for you to practice that in your own personal belief. But I don't think that we should be looking down on the girls who continue to play those roles or take those jobs.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Totally. And I think what comes up often in Hollywood, too, though, is the question of should someone who's not of the lgbtq community take a role that might have been intended for a character that is lgbtq so you know that's often like um even with like stanley tucci recently in the film he did you know he got some backlash he and i forgot the act other actor but there's this thing about there's not enough opportunities for the lgbtq community so why are straight people playing those roles how do you feel about that
1: I feel like if a casting director told Neil Patrick Harris, he can only play gay roles because he's gay and they can't take that role from a straight person. I think it would start a firestorm. I think we would all burn down that studio. And I think sometimes for me personally, and again, this is just the way I think, and no one has to subscribe to this. I say in those situations, may the best man get the job. And I also say, I appreciate people letting or seeing Neil Patrick Harris as something different or Matthew Baume as something different and not just a gay man just for seeing lesbian women and putting them in straight cis roles. Those things to me are, we should look at them fully. And I have a different opinion because I feel like a lot of times people saw Brokeback Mountain and thought differently about it. I thought Heath Ledger, what Heath Ledger and and um, Jake Gyllenhaal did was take a gay love story and flip it upside down and made people pay attention to it. I think Sean Penn did the same thing for Harvey Milk. Milk. Yeah, wonderful film. And I I don't want us to not look at those types of examples as times where, yes, we could have given these roles to gay men, but... A list actors chose to play these roles for whatever reasons they wanted to. Maybe they wanted an Oscar nom. Maybe they wanted, you know, the queens behind them. But at the end of the day, those love stories became mainstream. Harvey Milk's message became something that people wanted to Google after because mm-hmm. of those people taking on those roles.
0: Yeah, yeah, I totally get that because it it actually broadens our audience and, and strengthens our allies in many ways by allowing that to by not protesting straight actors doing that. And I think Harvey Milk is a great example because I had not really heard of Harvey Milk. I mean, I didn't, I'd heard of him, but until the film came out and then I ended up finding myself going to San Francisco and taking the, the Harvey Milk walking tour and, you know, through the Castro and really educated me because of that film. That's a really great observation.
1: And by the way, it's like, you know, I went to see that movie with two straight buddies of mine who were like, and they still talk about it. They still talk about how we saw, remember when we saw Brokeback Mountain? And isn't that crazy? And I'm like, yeah, it was crazy. We were set, we were 19 years old and we went to see Brokeback Mountain at a movie theater, the three of us. And you, you guys had no idea I was gay. But we still went to see it. And it was still right, like a right. big deal that like they were going to go see what Heath Ledger and Jake Gyllenhaal were actually going to do. And left thinking, wow, that was kind of a powerful moment. It's Yeah. You have to really think about what would happen if we reversed all those things. Yes, gay actors would get the bag. Gay actors would definitely get the opportunity. But at the same time, at the end of the day, I wouldn't take those movies back or, or redo them because the impact that they had on the gay community for other people to accept was a big, was a big change.
0: Yeah, I asked that question actually often to um, out performers. And I asked Shangela that question on the red carpet uh, right when Star is Born had come out. And I said, you know, what do you think about gay actors or straight actors taking gay roles? And she had a very similar answer to you. She was like, listen, the best person, the best actor, the one who can convey the role, the part, should get it. Not to mention um, some other people felt differently. <laughs> you know, I asked Billy Porter. His answer was very different. So, And by you know, the way, that's just-
1: the beauty of being person a human being being an American like you can have a difference of opinion I don't think that I look at Billy any less than you know I did before he had this opinion and a lot of times it's the opposite way around might be a little different but you know for Billy Porter it's a lot different because he is an actor he's an artist you know of course he wants you know what I mean like you ask somebody who's you know a minor and you're talking about a union that they that they're going for, they're going to be a little bit more passionate than you are if you're not in that same category. But And a lot of times when you're in it, it's like being in a relationship. Your friends give you advice and you can't hear it because you're too close into the shit. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's like, no, take the advice because you can't see. You're too deep into this that you can't see beyond what's going on. And that happens sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think
0: um, in his case, you know, his, you're, you're right. And Billy's response was due to the fact that he felt that there are two and far few in between opportunities to begin with for actors who are out. And so for him, he thought it made more sense that the first considerations should be for, for that community. But um, yeah, you're right. It's a, it's a mixed bag. You're going to get different uh, responses to that question. I do have something I'm curious about with you. We talked about your early, you know, you go from being sort of not obscure. I mean, you were on the show with the Housewives of Beverly Hills. You were there, but you know, you weren't a much. prominent figure, right? Yeah. So if we, if we start there and then we go to where you are now, you know, co-hosting with like Hoda and, and Jenna, and that is such a wide, it's a wild ride, I'll say, for you to get from that point to here. And I was curious to know, how did you adjust to that? I mean, cause now you're like you are like a star now, like on TV. You're a TV star. Oh, please. Look, you're so but, nice. I mean, I but... know it might be an elusive <laughs> term. <laughs> no. But, you know, I mean, to go from that to, to here, how did you adjust to people knowing you and, you
1: know, there he is. I got to watch someone do it who was so good at it. I got five years with Kyle Richards as her assistant. And then I got another 10 years just being her. Like, I'm, her, we're just friends now. But I got to watch her do it so flawless and effortlessly and I got a chance to see how authenticity both on and off camera really is how they're they're not mutually exclusive but if you have them both your life is a lot easier and you know just what getting a, a master's course you know with them working on Rich Kids behind the camera, working on EJ NYC behind the camera, being on Beverly Hills Nannies. A lot of times people look at what you're doing and you're like, wow, you that was quick. And for most in most circumstances it was quick, but honestly I worked with Kyle Richards from twenty one to twenty five. And then I did, you know, re- Beverly Hills Nannies for one year, you know, for Mm -hmm. one season, 26. And then I went on to produce Rich Kids of Beverly Hills from 27 to 29. So all those moments for me, whether they were in front of the camera or behind the camera were learning moments to figure out how I was going to get to where I was. And I never, ever, I don't look at the experience from Beverly Hills Nannies and Real Housewives as being greater than the experience from being behind the camera as a talent producer. Both of those things were amazing for me to sit and learn and figure out how people and how you interact with with network executives and PR mm, people oh, and wow. how you interact with everyone from every job. Those things were so crucial. So honestly, I just got a very, you know, I got a very nice master's in, you know, working, but working with bigger people. You learn so much. It's still a learning process for me. When I watch Hoda on the Today Show, I watch her, how she acts both on camera and off camera to the producers, to the PAs. Like this woman is top notch and it's something that I need to learn. It's something that I still need to incorporate in my life because sometimes, you know, you walk in and this is not only your show, but this is your home. So if I'm having a bad day, my guest in my home can't feel like I'm having a bad day. My guests in my home can't feel my negative energy that I'm giving, talking to myself, that negative talk I'm giving to myself. And it, it's that that I learned from people. Kelly Rippa, I learned from. I learned that from Jenna Bush. Like, you don't know when those girls are having a bad day. They don't let you see it because they want you to have the full experience of the Today Show, you know? Yeah,
0: and I think you're really uh, you're really aware of that too. Because what I know about you is that you know that that time on camera is to bring a moment, even if it's a, a quick moment of happiness without controversy, so to speak. I mean, you give your opinions because you know you have things to say, obviously, but you have a very fun way of saying it. But I mean, I think you know, like you know, you're you're entertaining to almost be the escapism. They can turn off
1: the the war and the pandemic, and you give them an hour of. Fun. That's all you have. I mean, you can't at some point my job is going to change, but right now the assignment is X, Y, and Z. And that I can do with my eyes closed. What I can't do is, and what I'm learning better on how to do is to get to work and be a leader in my space. Because although I'm not, I didn't want to be the leader. I wanted to be the person who came in, give some labs. Get the fuck out. Keep it moving. You know, my two co-hosts who I started with are gone. And I have to be the dude now. And you are the person. Yeah, I was. I signed on as a third person that comes in. You know, I'm the I'm the flopper. You know, I came in, (laughs) did my thing. No heavy lifting. And now I, you know, I can go. But that's not my reality anymore. My reality is you have no co host You are the leader of the show. You have to be the funny one and you have to welcome Lonnie Love. You have to welcome Bobby Berg. You have to welcome all these people on a weekly basis and make them feel like they can be comfortable here. But also you have mm-hmm. to keep the morale up. You have to keep the team going. You can't do X, Y, and Z. And sometimes I'm just like, ah, this is a mm-hmm. lot. Yeah. Yeah. But what I'm learning to do, and I think every leader does is How do you get to the place where you make it look like Hoda all day, every day? How do you get to that level of leadership where no matter what's going on, the house could be on fire when that person gets to work? It feels like Disneyland.
0: Thank you so much, Justin. I really appreciate your time. And, uh, you know, big fan here. Keep doing what you're doing. I think you're awesome.
1: Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it.